Bannigan then to Fitzpatrick. Back to Bannigan. And Bannigan to Williamson. Williamson tackled by Lowry. And now it's Tagawa to Lowry. Lowry through to Tagawa. Tagawa on his left foot shoots and it goes in. Beats Mitchell at the near post. Again giving away sloppily in the part by Thistle. And Hearts have their fourth for the substitute Tagawa. comic that it's all so tragic It's that humdrum novel, old black magic Let's have a laugh after we cry Let's hope we live before we die The silly clown's red nose is running And it's tragic that it's all so funny It's crucial and it doesn't matter Vows of love are idle chatter To feel this good has to be bad I'm so damn happy that it's sad Dear listener, would you like to slap me? And the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Yes, the sad thing is I'm so Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw A weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle Joining me this week to look back on yesterday's very disappointing defeat at Tynecastle, we have a bumper panel. Jamie McDonald is here. Jamie, are you well? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Less said about the game yesterday. Expecting my mood the better because, yeah, it was a very, very bad game. Bad game of football and we did absolutely nothing. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Matt. As Jamie said, a tough day yesterday and a really lacklustre performance. But as always, nice to be back on here to talk with you guys. You know what? We've got great fans. It was a good day out in some respects, but then others not. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty not. James Kearney's here. James, you've not been on in a while. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Like, a bit disconsolate, a bit disheartened, but yeah, we go again, don't we? We sure do. And rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, just a couple hours ago, we released our special episode about Queen's Park, and I believe you've got a few apologies to make. Yes, so I I do have some apologies to make. I'd like to apologise to Michael McMullen, I believe his name is, uh, Reese's cousin, who was the person who scored for our under-21s against Queen's Park in our Queen's Park episode. I would like to apologise to Rafa Vita for mixing up the fact that he won the League Cup with Ross County with the fact that he didn't win the League Cup with Livingston. He just won two league titles of them instead. Yeah, apologies all round. You know, we have standards that we have to meet. Now, a lot of other places have standards about like factual accuracy and stuff like that, whereas our standards are about just good patter content. So, you know, I hope that we've upheld those standards at the very least. Uphold the standards that matter, David. That's uh, that's our motto. <laughs> Um, we'll start with a look at the, the start in 11 yesterday. I don't think there was too many surprises. Kerr McEnroy, who missed the trip to Airdrie, came back in for James Lyon. Maybe a bit unlucky to miss out. Jamie, I'll start with you. Were you happy with the start in 11 when you saw it? Yeah, I was happy enough of it, to be fair. McEnroy coming back in for uh, Lyon to change. I kind of expect to see, I think, McEnroy's going to be a player that expects to start most weeks. On the rest of the lineup, I'd kind of hope to see Adloy get a chance, to be honest, because we've we haven't seen a great amount of him. Obviously, Graham's going to be the striker that plays most weeks for us, starts most weeks, but it's going to open to see Adloy get some more minutes and also give Graham maybe a bit of a welcome rest because I was saying on Twitter that he'd played 
four out of six 90 minutes before um, Sunday. So I was kind of hoping to see him get a bit of rest. And Boston Ned would possibly get a nod as well, start ahead of Mitchell and have a chance to see what he could do. And yeah, obviously that didn't end up happening. And the only change was McElroy coming back in. So pleased enough with the lineup, but I wouldn't have minded seeing a couple of changes and a couple of rotations. Heather, as Jamie said, quite an unsurprising start in 11, but were you maybe surprised the approach that we took, the tactics that Doolan adopted, bearing in mind Hearts came off the back of a, a sort of energy sapping win on Thursday night in Europe? Yeah, I think it would have been great to take this game as, I know a lot of people call it a free hit, or, you know, a game that doesn't, like, not that it doesn't matter, but, you know, there's no consequences. And I would have maybe just liked to see us try something new. I think to stay one up top for 90 minutes was quite hard because at no point did we overload them. When we made the commitment to press high, they absolutely killed us elsewhere. So it would have been interesting to see us take on a new, a new approach. I mean, I don't want to come out and be extremely critical about a game against a Premier League team but I do think that overall Baby Lawless and Bannigan and Graham who we've depended on so much and have been a backbone of our team for a very long time like they haven't had the greatest start to the season and I agree with Jamie that for this it maybe would have been great to see some of our kind of I don't you don't want to call them second string but you know these people who haven't had minutes just give it a shot let's play two up front give Anton Dowd some minutes I don't know I just feel that it would have been a chance just to be different and try out something new because we're going to need it for the league and it would have been a, a good place a, a good place to do it and maybe fail but fail trying I just felt it was such a lackluster performance and to kind of ebb out the cup like that is so disappointing really after you know, some yes, maybe some of the cut performances were a little bit disappointing. But, you know, we really grinded out that result against London United for then that not really to matter at all. And yes, when we went to Aberdeen last year, we re- and we really came up second. We did. I just felt like we put more effort into that cup, and it's just it would have been great to see something different. James, do you agree? Would you like to see a different approach to yesterday's game? Uh, no, I think yeah, something had to change. Clearly, I think by the time we'd reached half time, it was abundantly clear that what we were trying wasn't working. You know, we were sitting very deep and struggling to get out. And you know, credit to Hearts because they were doing a good job keeping us penned in. But you know, as the first half progressed and you know towards the end, we did start to play a little bit more. And okay, there, there still wasn't really much of a goal scoring threat in the team. I don't, I don't think Xander Clark made a save all afternoon. I don't think we had a shot on target all afternoon. The first half, we were after that first 15, 20 minutes or so, we were really kind of weathering the storm. We did start to play, and then obviously the second goal comes from the corner, and that kind of knocks the stuff around a bit. But I would have liked to see have seen some changes because it was clear that while we grew it into the half, I thought there was just no threat. There was just no. We never looked like scoring. We, didn't, we weren't creating chances. You know, guys like Fitzy and Lawless weren't getting on the ball, getting time on the ball, in decent positions. Uh, you know, the fullbacks probably weren't getting up as much as they maybe do in a league fixture. I, I think as well the, the three-man midfield of like McEnroy, Bannigan, and Williamson, they're all like centre mids. There's not really an attacking midfielder in there, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think any of them are a replacement for Kyle Turner, for instance. I don't think he's been replaced at all. So I do think that I something had to change, and it was a bit disappointing that nothing really did change at half time. And then obviously, Muirhead's mistake right uh, start for the third completely kills the game at that point. So I mean, the, the team, I was happy enough with the team, to be honest. I thought the starting lineup was fine. I just think that <clears throat> the way they played and the way they went about their business just. 
it clearly wasn't working and disappointing to see we didn't try and change things, you know, whether that be a, a change of shape, trying to hit it long for a bit, knock up to Brian Graham, get Adeloy on, something like that, something different, because it's clear it was happening, just wasn't working. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't have any complaints about the starting eleven. I know Heather and Jamie mentioned maybe some some fringe players could have get minutes, but I think that's that's a tough one when you you sell out in a way end in a in the latter stages of a cup competition. If we made five or six changes and we could beat four 0 everyone would have been saying why were we not taking this game seriously, especially when we didn't have midweek games. I don't really have any problems with the the starting eleven. I was just really surprised at how passive and how much we stood off Hearts. We were almost just waiting for Hearts to score. And we're at, we've been at our best on, under Dylan when we're on the front foot. And James, you mentioned the fullbacks didn't get up the park at all. We're at our best when the fullbacks are making runs beyond Lawless and Fitzpatrick out wide. We never saw that. We never saw any of the midfield get on the ball, really. Um, Williams and Muirhead, I thought, again, struggled with the ball at their feet. We were just playing long balls to Brian Graham, who was, who was outnumbered. And I was just surprised that I think that was the ideal time to play Hearts off a, a game that... Obviously, they've got a really good result and they'll be on a high, but it'll be an energy sapping win. They've probably got another eye on on next Thursday night, the next the playoff tie in Europe. And we didn't capitalise at all. I thought we'd really go and try and do something in the first 20 minutes. And I think as well, if we went and, and had a real go and, and get beat like we did up in Aberdeen, I think fans can be more forgiven of a defeat like that. I think when you, you sit back and just wait for it to happen, that's when fans, I think, quite fairly... Uh, get on a team's back. David, did you have a, a take on yesterday's tactics selection and ultimately the performance? I think it came at a really bad time for us in, in terms of coming after that Airdrie game because we talked last week about how there was a complete lack of urgency in that Airdrie game and we were so slow to react. And We expected a reaction yesterday, but it, it's a bit difficult to do that against Harps, who there was a lot of changes in that side um, from the game on Thursday. It was always going to be a bit of a struggle for us, but I, as you say, you know, if we went out there and had a go and lost and kind of fell on our swords, you could pod a wee bit more. But there, there wasn't really anything to get inspired at all about in that performance, which is it, it, it which is worrying. I think it's a case of we said free hit, but this is a sort of stopgap between the league games where if we won, it'd be amazing. If but we didn't expect to win. No, I mean we 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 didn't even lay a glove on them, and it's it, it was really dispiriting to watch. I think that was it. It was just really dispiriting to watch, and they didn't really feel like we we were going to threaten anything. And it's just kind of sitting there watching it was not great. Jimmy, I'll come to you for for your take on the performance. I'm just going to read out a few listener questions. A lot of them were on the same page. Jack Blakely. Ask what's wrong with our players' morale. Lady C asks, are the alarm bells ringing? Tam Britton asks, how on earth do we fix this? Um, where are we going wrong? Asks John. And Darren asks, how is it gone wrong so quickly? Is it the signings? Is it the manager's decisions? Is it a morale issue, a confidence issue? Where do you think it went wrong yesterday? Is it a, is it a combination of those things or is there something that's standing out for you? So it's a combination of lots of things. The signings have been mixed. I think I might have said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. I think some signings I can see exactly why they've been made, like Kerr McEnroy and Adloy, players who've done well already at this level. Someone maybe like Lewis Nielsen who's like highly rated, he's got experience in the above has come down. Made a couple of risk signings, ones that are completely untested up here, like with Siri and I know we've not seen much of them, but Wes McDonald, those kind of signings and you can say the recruitment we haven't really seen a huge amount of benefiting us so far. I don't like picking on individual players, but like 
Mercedes not looked fantastic yet, I wouldn't say. But he did improve slightly after a very shaky debut off of Peter Head when he was second half at Dundee United and thought he did well against Falkirk in the Cup. But I wouldn't say he's looked great in the league so far. And he was all over the place yesterday, but that said, so was Aaron Muir ahead at the back. It wasn't just him. That's that's one issue. Individual, stupid individual errors and another major issue, I think, because you look at you look at the goals yesterday and a lot of them just come off daft, daft mistakes. And it's the kind of rubbish that we do, but we don't get in our favour. Like, we have our striker scoring our own goal. We, Aaron Muirhead gives away, gives away a goal like four minutes, five minutes into the second half and then Ben Williamson slack on the ball and loses it and we concede a fourth goal as well. It's just stupid. End of it. I hate conceding goals off avoidable individual errors. I've done it a couple of times this season. You think back to the cup game against Dundee United and Mercedes just plays an aimless ball into the middle of the park and we lose possession and we concede a goal. It's just stuff like that is really, really annoying. It's just really frustrating to concede. Even against Airdrie when we allow their right back to just run down the right-hand side completely unchallenged and place a ball in the box. and It's just stuff like that. Really, really avoidable goals we're conceding and I feel we've had a lack of urgency about it as well. Lack of urgency yesterday. We didn't look like threatening hearts at all against Airdrie. It was a real lack of urgency as well. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, is, it is concerning. I'm not a complete panic stations yet, but if we lose again on Saturday to Queen's Park, then I will start to really worry at that point because that would have been us going through August without getting a single win. Yeah, I think we're gonna, we'll have a chat about the centre-backs then because I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and defend every player yesterday. I'm going to put up a little bit of a defence for Waziri Williams and I will I'll open this defence by saying that I do think he should have a time out the side later on when we talk about the Queen's Park game. I would like to see Nielsen get a start in the middle of the defence at Williams' expense. But I will put up a, a little bit of a defence for him because he has been he's been written off, I think, by lots of Thistle fans. He's a, he's a young defender who's come in and he's a right-footed centre-back playing on the left-hand side next to Adam Muirhead in the middle. And I think you're looking at Aaron Muirhead and there's probably question marks about is he currently good enough to be a starter? And that's where I think you're looking for a senior player like Muirhead to, to guide Williams through. And I'm not saying what Muirhead's not doing that, but Muirhead is making mistakes of his own. So that's already a very unsettled backline. To Williams' left is Harry Milne, who's, who's more of an attack-minded left-back than, than defence-minded. So he's probably got to cover for him a little bit as well. And there's obviously no protection in front of him like Bannigan does a little bit of a job but there's not that Bannigan Doherty duo that have shielded back fours for the last three years so he is getting exposed more than centre-halves have in the last few seasons he's made mistakes I think he needs a, a spell out the side to sort of regain a little bit of confidence but I think it's too early to write him off just because of all those factors I've said he's basically been put into a team and I think this is maybe a little bit of Doolin's inexperience shown as well I think if you've got a young centre-back trying to adapt to a league, play him in his most comfortable position and maybe ask Muirhead, the more experienced one, to move to the left and let Williams settle in on the right where you would hope he'd be more comfortable. At the moment, nothing is really going Williams' way and he's having a bad time of it. I think he should be taken out of his team, but I think it's, a, it's an easy scapegoat because he's a new player and he, I think because he looks so unnatural as well when he's on the ball, he's catching fans' eyes and, and that he is getting... Probably more than his fair share of stick because nobody's playing well at the moment. Um, Heather, do you agree with that? And we spoke last week about the need for a centre-back. How how badly do we need a centre-back? Would you like to see Lewis Nielsen come in for a debut on, on Saturday against Queen's Park? How do you assess us in that position? Yeah, I definitely think that Nielsen deserves a shot. I actually 
said it last week that if you know if it hadn't been Hearts, I think that Nielsen maybe just deserved a start anyway before what happened yesterday. And um, I do agree with you that the whole team's not playing very well and it's hard to take it out on a young player, but he is, as you say, an easier, an easier target. And when when you're losing four goals in a game, unfortunately the defence are the one that will take a lot of the stick. But I do think this in general, that marking at set pieces, strength on the ball to or, or to win the ball back in certain areas, especially in the middle of the pitch, is severely lacking. I do also think that the kind of lawless McMillan dream partnership that really took off during the start of the Dulan era and um and you know especially lit up during the playoffs I do think apart from the first half against Wraith that's been posted missing a little bit too so yes Wasiri Williams has made a few glaring errors but I I don't think you could say that if Wasiri hadn't played yesterday we would have won or if Wasiri hadn't played yesterday, we wouldn't have conceded that many goals. I do still think that the core of this team is just not clicking yet. And it's hard for that. I actually think that when Nielsen when Nielsen came on against Airdrie, even though I didn't think it was maybe the right choice, I did think he came on and was quite commanding and showed a little bit, maybe of something that Muirhead hasn't, of the kind of communication. So I do think that would be a, a good thing for him to do. And I, I do agree that Muirhead just needs to concentrate on, on on himself and maybe not be thinking about, you know, bringing a, a young one along. And I think we've again said this, I, Muirhead's not destined to be the leader of a centre-back line. He's often played with someone stronger than him or maybe a better communicator, etc. And and I know he was captain at air and stuff, but I just think that maybe I think a lot of that team need to have a wee look at themselves and think, how could I improve before we start hanging someone else out to dry? In but, terms of signings, do you expect any a last minute signing before Queen's Park on, on Saturday? The one thing I would say there is signing for the sake of signing often never works. And we aren't Celtic, we aren't Rangers, we don't have a massive pot of money that just means that we can click our fingers, wave a wand, and this brilliant signing that's going to change the team comes in. It, it would be great if we could find someone, and I'm sure, I'm so sure that people are looking and that, you know, no one's kind of resting on their laurels looking at that team and going, oh, that's a complete team that's going to be competitive in this championship. But I do not want us to rush into anything either because we've seen that before all too well. But also, I mean, if you like throw back to say the top six season and not quite the same, but we kept on saying when when the injured players come back, things will get better and things like that. We don't want this to be, oh, when we sign someone new, things will get better. I think we need our own players to pull their socks up a bit and give a bit more for the incredible fans that turned up on on Saturday, but also the ones that turned up against Airdrie. You know, the amount of people that have bought season tickets is incredible. And you just think that, I mean, I'd love a new signing. I don't know what the names are that are being chucked around right now, but I just don't want, I don't want us to rush into anything and then be stuck of another, I was going to say player Alston, but that's, that's pretty harsh quite quickly. But, you know, yeah. I, I think I definitely agree that 
the players we've got there now need to start putting improved performances in. That's obviously the most important thing. I do think even if it was even if the centre backs playing, if Muirhead and Williams were, were playing great and keeping clean sheets, I think you look at the, the squad for the season, I think going into a, a season with just three centre backs in the books, and I know a couple of players could, could cover in there, but I think that's that's short anyway. And the performances that Muirhead and Williams are currently putting, I think just adds to that. I think we do desperately need a centre back. I agree with you that we probably don't need to sign a, a midfielder because I've seen lots of chat about needing a, a holding midfielder. So, James, we're going to come to you about the, the midfield because you mentioned earlier that we you don't think we've replaced Turner yet. We were chatting on the pod last week about how we've got six midfielders, but none of them are really the same characteristics as the midfielders we had last season. So maybe we need a change of shape in there. Uh, Alan McMillan's got in touch. He's had a, a really good comment on Twitter. He said, if we're going to lose like this, then he'd rather our own young prospects were getting game time. Can you see the likes of Stanway and Lyon getting a little bit more game time? I think Stanway's probably the closest we've got to a Doherty. Can you see Stanway coming back in so that we can have somebody sitting next to Bannigan? Or do you see Dylan persisting with, with the current trio of Bannigan, McEnroy and Williamson? I, I think those three that you just named, I think they will probably be the the three that's probably Dylan's first ch- choice at the moment until other until otherwise. But um, no, I, I do think you're right. I think that Stanley and Lyon will probably both get a decent amount of minutes this season. I think that there will be injuries and suspensions and certain games that they're more suited to and that kind of thing. So I think that we will expect to see them because you can't touch on it there, but you're right. I mean, centre red is probably the area of the squad where we're best stocked between... You know, all the, you know, obviously there's Lyons, there's Stanley, there's even Blair Alston, Kerr McEnroy, Williamson. You know, there's a lot of players that can play in there now. But I, I think they're definitely, they, you know, a lot of them are, yeah, they're different kinds of players and they've got different skill sets. But I just think that we don't really have that natural number 10. I don't think any of them are that natural number 10 that Kyle Turner is. We are missing that. I think I think we're just missing that little bit of creativity, that that player that can link the midfield to the attack. I mean, I think that was really abundantly clear at Tynecastle. There, there was just no out ball for the defence or the midfield whenever we won it back. No one was available to take it. And that's what Turner was so great at, just getting the ball, taking it under pressure, shifting it on. So I think we do need somebody like that. I don't think we will get anyone in, though, in that area, just because, like we say, there's already a lot of players that are playing in that position. And as Heather pointed out, you know, we don't have huge bags of cash lying around. I think, I think you're right as well on the defence. I think, you know, another centre half would be welcome. I, I think as well, to be honest, if we hadn't had been playing Hearts uh, on Sunday, I, I'm pretty sure Nielsen would have been playing. I think he will be getting a lot of minutes. I'd expect him to get a good chunk of minutes. Cause I, I think he's a, he's a brilliant capture. So I, I think, like yourself, I'd, I'd quite like another defender in the, a centre half. And, and if possible, I think three is just going into a season with only three is asking for trouble. But uh, in the midfield, I think at the moment, yeah, it's just a bit unbalanced. It's like no one's... I mean, coming in and doing what Doherty did is always going to have a big ask for anyone. And I think we're always going to have to accept that no matter who we got in, it was going to be a downgrade. And, you know, and that, that's all right. But as I say, I think losing Doherty and Turner in that midfield, I think you've lost, between the pair of them, you've lost a bit of steel, steeliness in defence from Doherty and, that, and then that creativity in the final third from Turner, which helps unlock defences. And I think that's why the midfield's really struggled to get going so far because it's all full of guys who... Are kind of centre mids, you know, they're not particularly defensive minded, not particularly attacking minded, just kind of all rounders, a lot of them. And I think that that's, you know, we could use it, we could probably have used a specialist defensive midfielder, a specialist attacking midfielder. I don't think we've got either. But as I say, because of, you know, money and because we've already got loads of players there, I wouldn't expect any to come in. The, the only other option I could think of would be perhaps Scott Robinson when he's fit, playing kind of number 10 off of Brian Graham. I mean, he's done that before in the past at Livingston. 
and look pretty and look pretty good at it in my opinion. So that that might be an option as well. I wouldn't be surprised if that was what Dylan had in mind. To be honest, just just because we only ever play with one up front and we've already got Brian Graham, Anton Dowds, and um, Adeloy as well. So we don't need four players to play that one position. Whereas the number ten role. I think Robinson could squeeze in there, perhaps. Obviously, he's not that kind of out-and-out creator, but he's certainly a big physical presence. He's good at holding up the ball and bringing others into play. So maybe when he's fit, he might be able to add that little spark that's been lacking in the, in the midfield. I'll stick with you, James. You've answered my first question there, which was going to be how do we get a bit more creativity in midfield. Hopefully, Robinson is fit and available soon. Do you think Dylan should tweak things in midfield to protect the defence a bit more can you see a lot of change of shape asking one of the midfielders to, to sit a bit deeper I know Bannigan already does that but maybe Williamson or McEnroy just sitting a little bit deeper or do you see him maybe chucking Stanway in in, in tighter games to, to sort of toughen us up in there anything like that uh, I think honestly that kind of stuff you need to take it on a game by game basis uh, obviously don't run the form to Tynecastle is really disappointing as was the result while it's always going to be a difficult game you expect us to play better than that but, you know, Hearts are a very good team. You know, they've had a lot of good players in their start 11. They're, yeah, they made a lot of changes, but they've still got a lot of guys who are, you know, internationals or up-and-coming players and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm trying not to read too much into it because I think the, the bold facts are just that Hearts are a far better football team than we are at the moment. That's how the game plays out. So I think the midfield was definitely wrong for that game. It didn't work in that game. But if you're then, you think, next week again, the weekend against Queen's Park, that's going to be a, a totally different game because you know obviously the, the kind of the way they play and the very possession heavy. Whereas you know you look at the two certified Hearts had at the weekend that are absolutely massive guys. You know that were just going to bully all game. So I, it, it does kind of change on a game by game basis. There'll be some games where you're going to want to pack the midfield of like technical guys who are you know good on the ball and good at on guys like you know Lie and then guys like Mac and Roy. And it's going to be other games where you're to you're going to want guys who are just going to you know run around a lot and you know make life difficult for the opposition. So I I, I, I know that's maybe. Uh, sitting on the fence a bit, but I think it does it, it just does completely change on a game by game basis. No, I, I do agree with you. I think maybe I look at the the characteristics of the midfield now. I, I maybe would have chucked Stanway in on on Sunday just because he's a little bit more defensive minded. He's then I'd say Williamson, plenty of energy. I think he's the closest we've got to Doc. I've said that a few times and. I think we sort of needed something a bit extra in the midfield. David, we did have a lot of listener correspondence. Maybe the most important question came from from Dave. He's asked, if you could, how would you restore Yugoslavia? <laughs> I I know that this is this is you trying to weed me into uh, the Animals and Game Show podcast that you want to you so dearly want to spin off. Um I I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. You sprung that one on me. Um, I tell you what, next week I'll come back with a, a rationalised response. But no, next week, next week I'll come back with my findings and I'll let you know. Excellent, David. Do you have any takes on the sort of makeup of the defence and midfield at the moment? And are you desperate for a new signing, maybe plural? Mm, well, I mean, I mean, a good about twelve thousand crowd at Hearts so half the gate. You know, it's money that's coming in. That, you know, we hadn't budgeted for that. It's you know, fantastic, really well, um, welcomed. But uh, to be honest, I don't know how much I am screaming out for new signings. Obviously, new signings are always good, right? Um, but the thing is, is that I think that one of the key issues we have at the moment is that because we have quite a lot of new signings. The team hasn't gelled, and I think the problem is, is that for someone like Bannigan, going from being side by side with Doc every week 
to then having another player. I mean, Bannigan and Doc were so were kindred spirits. They just got each other and they worked really well together. And then Bannigan's had to kind of come out and then he's getting frosted in with, you know, players, you know, you, you've had, you know, your Stanways, your Lions and stuff like that. And even in like Turner as well. When Turner, if you know Bannigan, Doc and Turner was such a great free, completely changed the way that Bannigan's going to have to play. And it's a good example of, He's still trying to find his feet. I mean, you mentioned Scott Robinson. I genuinely forgot he was a player with us for a moment because, well, he's been injured and hasn't played. You, you still have people trying to come in, like, you know, Wes McDonald as well. I'm excited to see how he is with Milne, to be honest. And, yeah, I just feel that we're, we're not gelling at the moment. And, like, Doolan doesn't know his starting 11, really. I feel that he, there is going to be tinkering about it. I think there's solid cases for most of the team but at the same time there are people that are underperforming and I think that we will find our team uh, no, our, our starting team and we'll find out what works for us I think Dylan always talked in interviews about how we play one way this is the way that we play and he'd set it up that way and it worked so well for us in last season because he had the players at his disposal to enact this strategy and last season shows that when Dylan has the tools there and the resources and he gets to play his brand of football, it can work really well. I think at this point, it's a case of, well, how do you replicate Tiffany? How do you replicate Doc? How do you replicate Turner? Or if you can't replicate them, which I think is the case, how do you use the strengths, accentuate the positives, and hide the negatives enough to kind of, you need to tweak your system. And I think what we're seeing is that a bit of tactical naivety from Dylan, where he is now being forced into doing other things. And he's still finding his feet that he's never had to do so far. And I think a centre-back, I would I would still like another centre-back. We're still, we're still clinging on to the Charlie Mulgrew dream. But to be honest, like I think you do need a cover at centre-back. But I don't think necessarily piling on more signings is the, the answer. I think it's more about being able to integrate the signings and figure out exactly how we're going to play. I'm going to stick with you for now, David. I know we are normally quite a positive podcast and I don't really like singling out names, but I'm going to ask you because I don't think people will be singled out here. I think there's going to be, um, I don't think anyone's really safe. Who do you think are the players that are, are underperforming at the moment and might have a, a sort of, be looking behind them to see who's challenging for their place? So I'd, I'd, probably, say, I'd probably say Muirhead. We just have lots of errors and now they're not Muirhead's errors, but you can get away with an error if you have cover. You know, if you are a tight back line who are really in cahoots with each other and know exactly what you're going to do, you can, you can get away with the odds scary moment. And I think at the moment it's not being ge- generous to us where other teams maybe there will be scary moments, they'll get away by the skin of our teeth. I think we are being punished in the mistakes that we make. And I think that having someone like Muirhead, you mentioned about how he maybe isn't the leader that we need despite being captain at air. And I think it is one of those where he certainly, the defence as a whole is faltering. And I think that Muirhead kind of has to shoulder a bit of that blame because he's the most experienced person there. And he is a centre-back. You know, Milner and McMillan are bombing forward. They are less defensive. They're more attack. And I think that a lot of it has to, you know, you have to, Muirhead has to look at himself and go, what can I do What to make, Myself better, make, you know, make people that we see better. You, you've get, you know, we're talking about Nielsen coming in, and Nielsen's your young guy. He's obviously going to have to kind of guide for him through games. Um, but even then, like Brian Graham, I mean, he scored quite a few goals already this season. But 
I don't know. I just, it's, I mean, he's definitely claiming that goal, that own goal, as, as part of his goal tally this year. He's absolutely doing it. But it was very weird seeing Brian Graham score a goal and not celebrate like he'd won the Champions League. It was very strange. But I don't know. I feel that just those sort of old heads, they're usually written in stone in the team sheet. And I think that we have to look at are they written in stone now? And is there a way that we can use them better or use other players in, instead of them? But, I mean, no no definites that I would want to take out. I think it's just a case of everyone kind of has to have that heart to heart with themselves and figure out what am I bringing to the team and what can I do more? Yeah, for me, if you look at the team, and I probably think that is the team that Doolan has in mind as his strongest team at the moment going to Saturday's game, I think the two fullbacks would be the only positions I think are nailed down, to be honest. I think they would be the only two I would be genuinely surprised if they were dropped. I'll, I'll start from the the top of the team and work my way back. I think Brian Graham, last couple of games haven't gone his way. I, I don't really think he's to blame because the, the style of play hasn't suited him at all. He's not really got involved in the game, so I expect he'll keep his place, even though he's been quiet in the last couple of weeks. The wingers will probably keep their place because there's not um, much pressure from the, the, the subs to, to take the place, but I don't think Lawless or Fitzpatrick could really have any complaints if they do get dropped. I think they've been quite ineffective. We've spoken about the midfield. We're really looking to find a balance, Dolan might try and drop one or two, bring one or two faces in just to find that balance and I think it's it's sort of a flip of the coin who who plays in there at the moment the, the centre-backs, like I expect Williams to get dropped because he's the least experienced but if, if Muirhead got dropped he could have no complaints, I think he was at fault for Airdrie's winner last week, he obviously had a bad mistake for Hart's third goal and then I, I look at the goalkeeper as well and I'm, I'm still not convinced that with, with Mitchell, to be honest. I know this is old ground for, for regular listeners. I don't think he makes enough saves. I don't think he's got enough command of his box. I know Jamie Snedden's not the answer for a lot of fans, but I think that's a position where we're not totally strong in either. So I think really you look throughout the team and it's only the fullbacks for me that are really commanding a place at the moment. Jamie, we'll look ahead to the Queen's Park game then. Do you uh, do you sort of agree with my assessment of the team there? Are there any changes you're, you're really desperate to, to see on Saturday? I wouldn't mind seeing James Lyon brought back in, to be honest. And if it is a midfield, four options of um, Lyon, uh, McEnroy, Barrigan, Williams. In, I, I don't know, I'm not saying Williamson's been bad, but I feel I wouldn't mind seeing a midfield free of Barrigan and McEnroy lying a wee bit deeper with Lyon playing in front of them. But I do agree with you that McMillan and Milne are probably the only two that are almost guaranteed to start, although I don't think Graham will get dropped. I think Fitzy and Lawless will probably likely start. I feel the only changes we could maybe see, I think Mitch will probably start as well, so I think the only changes that we will likely see could come at centre-back or in the midfield. Probably about it. But I don't know, we'll have to wait and see when the team sheet comes out. point that was made ages ago in the episode that uh, Heather made about the partnership between Lawless and McMillan not really showing this season as much. I definitely agree with that. I don't think I don't know, we just haven't really seen as much of them. I'm not fully convinced that Jack McMillan's actually 100% fit yet because he hasn't been making as many of those kind of darting runs forward and balls putting those balls in behind or those floating balls to him that has worked so well last season, especially in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm really not convinced that he is fully fit yet. I don't really know what other changes we could make. You could maybe say Wes McDonald comes in out wide because Fitzy's not been anywhere near his best because we know how good he can be in those last two games and Lawless has been largely ineffective as well, but I, I don't know how good Wes McDonald is because we've only seen a 10-minute cameo appearance from him, so it's kind of difficult to say. And Adloy, I, I do really want to see Adloy get a start eventually, but I probably think Graham will likely 
keep his place in left field and change the shape and maybe goes to two up top. But I can't see him doing that because I think apart from Peter Head and the cup, he's never started with two up top. So I think he'll probably see Graham keep his place. Heather, what about you? Just in terms of, of team selection and, and where the squads are at the moment, where are you happy with in the park? Where are you not happy with and How do you see his lining up on Saturday? I don't think anyone could say they're particularly happy if just like the way the the way that things have been. But I agree that Milne and McMillan are shoe-ins and so important to our attacking formation. And I just think that we are centre-back pairing to be a bit more trustworthy so that they have got the chance to to open up and be creative. You know, I do think that Lola, I think Lawless and Fitzy have both been quiet and struggled in the last few games but I don't know if we've given the other boys enough time to then expect them to start but I would like potentially if things aren't really happening in the first half against Queen's Park for a quicker change than what we've seen before I do think that Nielsen should definitely come in and they mustn't come in as big as fan but I think that Ben Stanley's been underused this season so far come different to, J- uh, to Jamie I think that if anyone deserves a start in the midfield I actually think that Ben Stanley's gone on and proved himself. My dad and I discussed a little bit of yesterday and extremely hard to find any positives. And yes, we were 4-0 down when it happened, but we both spoke about um, the way that there seemed to be more energy on the pitch when both of the boys came on. And I don't know how to say his name, but Kieran, the guy from um, Aberdeen, I actually thought that he looked quite good when he came on. And my dad and I were discussing like if there was a way that almost... If obviously him and Milne play the same position and we're laughing about like classic Scotland, like with, you know, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson playing the same place and being the best two players. But um, like, is there even a place for him to come in in midfield or something? I don't or push Harry Milne further up. I don't know. I would just like to see us try something different. And if it's not working, just to see something new. I just feel that this is that currently it's just we've got a tried and tested method and it's just the only one that we're going with so I just I would like to see a difference in mentality a difference in performance level and hopefully potentially a difference in the starting lineup well I'll come straight back to you Heather then we have we had lots of listener questions this week thank you very much if you got in touch sorry if I don't read your, your question out but do keep getting in touch because it's good to have all these questions and all this engagement but Al Frames asked is it worth trying five at the back just going on from your point about Kieran and Gwenya and playing a similar shape Scotland do to facilitate both players. He's also suggested Fitzpatrick moves more centrally to give Graham a goal. We've, we've mo- mostly spoken about personnel. Either, is there a, a case for a change in shape to, to something like Al suggested? Yeah, I I would be I would be up for that definitely. I think obviously we've seen the way that that Steve Clark has taken you know our Scotland team and made them made them extremely competitive in uh in 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 a in a fantastic way and I can't believe that you know we're seeing more success on the Scotland pitch than we are on um at Fur Hill. It's just really tough. But um yeah I, I, I would I would be open to that. And if it stops us conceding so much and I know we haven't conceded like lot we haven't lost seven goals in one game, but it might be good just to see a, a change and if it if it was five at the back, I wouldn't I wouldn't be annoyed at that. And we've obviously had a few seasons before where we have had five at the back and it has gone well. We've also had some five at the back disasters, which um, I think my dad and I will never forget going to Dundee United for a cup game, I think. And we played so many defenders and we still lost one nil. 
and it was just it was just a, a very tragic performance a bit like actually a bit like Sunday in the sense of it was a cup game it was a free hit and we didn't we didn't go and take our chances and we didn't and um, we didn't press them but yeah I think a change of I think a change of shape would be a welcome thing and I guess it also would show fans Doolin and the management team are ready to change it and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it'll be good to see something different. James, I'll come to you with the, the next listener question. And this this is when we got on Instagram. Uh, shout out to our Instagram if you don't already follow us on there. Uh, Ali Max asks, should, should Dylan explain that he's got a, a sort of small budget and he's got a, a long term, he said, a three year plan to develop a team of under 24 talent? Just sort of in general response to that question. Is that the impression you get from Dylan that it's, it's more of a longer term thing he's, he's working on rather than getting us up this season, which always seemed to be under McCall? And, just in a more wider sense, how how do you think Chris Dolan is, is dealing with this tough start? You, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Do you get the sense there's any sort of panic or is it still business as usual? He's, he's very calm. What's he been like? Uh, I don't know if he's, I, I'd say it's probably business as usual to an extent. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, when he came into the came out to do the post-match interviews after the game at Tynecastle, he was gutted. You could tell he was gutted. You know, the guy was like, I was pretty happy, but but you know he's a very he's a very measured guy and he's always uh, he's got a very consistent guy you know he's got the kind of haircut you can hang your hat on and I just think that I think I think certainly in terms of the when we look at the kind of long term development whenever you speak to about the young players in particular you know guys like James Lyon or Xander McKenzie or Ben Stanley you do get that impression that he is you know mapping out the next three four five years for them even some of the younger guys that went out on loan as well like you know Salaturi or uh, you know, some of the other younger guys, so uh, like Jamie Taggart or something like that, you know, so I think that there are, and obviously he comes from that background of the academy as well, and okay, he was only there for a couple of months before he took on the interim job, but he's got that background, he's always worked as a coach for a long time, I think his coaching pedigree is good, you know, I think he knows what he's doing in terms of developing players and helping them get better, and I think, you know, particularly with, and I think that applies doubly probably to young players, so I think that there is a long-term view I think, I think he is taking a long-term view to it, particularly with those guys. When, when, when you do ask him directly, you know, you know, what are the team's ambitions? Is it to win the league? Is it to do this? You know, he always kind of keeps his cards close to his chest because I think, personally, my take on it is that he's probably aware that you can't come out and say, oh, no, we're not, we're not going to challenge for the title. Or, you know, cause we might very well do that. You know, the championship's a crazy league. But I do think that he has generally dampened expectations whenever been asked, you know, about, you know, how do you build on last season? How do you improve on it? And I think that it is a big ask to do that because as we've been talking about for the last hour or so, you know, you look at the players that left in the summer, you know, Kevin Holt, Ross Dockerty, Kyle Turner, Scott Tiffany, those are big, big players. They've all these big shoes to fill. And I think there's probably an accept, you know, I think, I think certainly I, I can accept the fact that I think that this, this season, the team's probably not going to be as good as it was towards the end of last season. I think you know there will be a, a bit of a regression, and but I do think that the run through the playoffs in particular, and you know basically since Dylan came in, has shown that tactically he's very switched on. You know, you, I like the way that he talks about you know roles and not positions for a tactics nerd like me. That's music to your ears, and I, I do think that he is very. I think he has got a a knack for developing young players. I think I think we will see that. You know, hopefully over the coming years, hopefully he's here for a, a good a good amount of time. It's difficult because obviously, you know, we are one of the bigger clubs in the league. We should be going 
I think you know the playoffs will be the aim. I think you know I don't think anyone's ever came out and said that publicly, but I think behind closed doors, I would imagine that's what the aim is for this season. And I think we are good enough to do that. But it might just take a little bit of time. But we know, you know we know what they're doing. If he gets the players playing the way he wants them to play, and they get, get that time to gel, they can be absolutely brilliant. And I think that I, I would expect the team to improve as the season goes on. And I think, you know, just with all the new arrivals, it takes them time to settle and get used to the style of play, all that kind of stuff. And I, I just, I, I would imagine that as the season progresses, I think we'll get stronger and stronger. But it might be a shaky, a few more weeks or maybe a month or two where things aren't quite clicking into gear and there are disappointing results. But I think as time progresses, we will see improvement. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm, I'm going to ask you about the, the slow start, James. In terms of a, a hangover from how we how we lost the playoff in Dingwall, do you think it's a, do you think it is a hangover or do you think this is a case of, of just bedding in a new squad? And if, if you're sort of more inclined to say it's a hangover, do you think if we lost that playoff final like quite boringly, like 2-0 in each leg, Ross County quite comfortable and the rest of the summer played out as it did with the key players leaving, do you think that would have affected as, as badly as it, as it maybe is just now? So it's a really interesting point. It's hard to put your finger on it because... I mean, I would, I mean, I'm not a professional football player. I don't know what it's like, but you know, I've spoken to enough of them to know that you know, surely defeats like that, you, you don't just shrug off. They, they leave a psychological scar. I mean, you know, ask any supporter, they are psychologically scarred. Anyone who's vaguely associated with the club is psychologically scarred from it. So I don't see how the players couldn't be. But you know, I mean, there are a lot of new players who have come in who you know they've got uh, that's got absolutely nothing to do with them. But I, I do think it's an interesting point. I think it's probably right where if it was just, a, you know, we got beat 3-1 on aggregate over two legs and we didn't, you know, it, there wasn't much drama about it. I don't think it would have hurt. I think it, it's that manner of it. It will take a little bit of time to get over. I, I don't know if that's direct, direct, directly related to the slow start. Like, like we said, you know, we've, lose, we've lost influential players who've played lots of games at this level and know exactly what they're doing. And largely placed in a lot of, with a lot of guys who haven't played too much football at this level. So I think that I think it will just take a little bit of time to get into gear. And I think that you know any, I, I don't I don't know if I'd believe any player any Thistle player that said like no they've just shrugged it off and it's fine to be able to move on. I don't think they will I think it's those sort of things that when you look back in your career it's always going to sting a bit. So I think it's probably informed this little start to an extent, but not, I, I, I wouldn't say it's the, the big factor behind it, you know. At the end yeah. of the day, these football players do suffer crushing losses a fair bit throughout their careers, you know, and, you know, part of that resilience it takes to become a professional footballer is to, is to move on from it. So I think that, yeah, that, that there will be kind of be a deep underlying trauma there somewhere, but I don't think the slow start we've had this season is a manifestation of that. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, David, we'll start with with score predictions, and as you are currently tied rock bottom of the prediction table, we'll, we'll come to you. We'll, we'll let you get, try and get off to a good start. Predictions for Queens Park at home on Saturday, please. We've already had a spectacular four four prediction from our, our friend Duncan Raybar on these episodes. Are you going to top that? I uh, the only way is up, Matt. Well, for me and for Fissel, it can't get any worse. Um, so you know, I will go with. One each. I think it's going to be an incredibly dull game. <laughs> to be what, honest, a dull game, really. A dull game. Yeah, I I don't know. I, do, do you see that team from Sunday having any sort of excitement? Excitement, and uh, not in a 
like a positive way, excitement in a sort of calamitous way. But I also think Queen's Park have got that sort of they are trying to play a new adventurous style of football. I saw that they're very impressive young goalkeeper. Uh, he's only, I think he was, he's 16, but he tried a Cruyff turn in a six-yard box on a Saturday. And, you know, like very impressive, but th- there's ingredients there for, for excitement, I think, David. I don't All think right. both teams are watertight. You've twisted my arm. I'll go with Duncan for each. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that your final They're answer? reinventing the passing game, Matt, like Queen's Park. Right? So they're, they're doing it again. They're re- reinventing the wheel. They, uh, the pioneers of football have done it once again. And, yeah, four each. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer, Chris, yes. Okay. Uh, Heather, I'll come to you next because you, with Vinny, who we will get a prediction from later, are, are tied with David on just one point so far. How do you see this going on on Saturday? They're obviously in form and they'll be wanting blood after what happened at the playoffs as well. I think it will be tough. Uh, I'm not saying very optimistic, am I? But I, I find it so, I can't predict a loss. It's just not in me. So I've, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. And I'd actually like us in some way to be the team that concedes and then and went and then fights for it back. I, I don't want us to go 2-0 up again and then to lose it because that just be crushing. But, and I mean, you asked a question which... Um, which Tom English asked me on a sports sound about the hangover. And I do think it is, I do think it is a new team and it's a new system and we can't just keep on using Dingwall almost as an excuse. Like it was a shocking time and we've talked about that a lot. And I think it will still live with us for um, a lot of time, but I do think that it can't be the only reason why we aren't performing. So I'm going to go for a 2-2, a 2-2 draw. Ed. Jamie, you picked up a, a point on, on Sunday, so you're up to two points. Uh, do you want to give us your prediction? Since we've been doing these prediction things, I have never, ever, ever got a score bang on. I don't know how. It's pretty impressive that I've managed to never get one right, so I'm going to go for a more out-there score. I'm going to say Thistle win 4-2. We finally get our first league win after to end the month well because another bad performance would be really, really disheartening and pretty concerning. So I'm going to go for a more wacky game. I think, it'll be a, I think it'll be a really good end-to-end game, so 4 to Thistle. Lots of goals been predicted. Uh, Jamie, I like your style, and it is very impressive. You've never managed to get one bang on in over a year of doing this. James, you're tied with Jamie on, on two points as well. What's your what's your prediction for Saturday? Uh, I'm going to go for three each. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think there'll be a lot of goals. I, I don't think our defence is particularly convincing. I think that as ambitious as Queen's Park's playing style is, I don't think they're quite there yet. So I think they might be mistakes. So, ah, yeah, yeah, lots of goals. Goals, goals, goals. Three of Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar vein, as I just mentioned. I think there's ingredients for chaos. I'll, I'll go with Heather and I'll go for 2-2. Uh, I agree with you, James. I think although Queen's Park have won all their games, they've played a sort of pretty poor-looking or both team twice in that, and they were a bit mixed in the League Cup. So... I, I, as you say, I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't think we are quite there yet. And it'll be a sort of mistake-filled fun afternoon. And I think you've made a good point, Heather. If, if it is a draw, I think not losing a lead is key because we don't want that to be a, a trait because it's, it's happened a couple of times already this season. Uh, am I right saying, are we, have we still got that stupid stat of we haven't like won when we've been like behind at half time since like nineteen sixty five or something like that. Well, have we had a game last season where where we came back from behind at half time? 
I don't think so. And I'll defend Chris Jones here a bit for this because that was the the stat that was damning of Ian McCall. But to be fair to Chris Jones, there he wasn't many games he that, was yeah. behind. Aye. So, yeah. well, aye. But I think you're right. It's like December 2019, I think, off the top of my head, was, was yeah, the last one. Yeah, Morton or something, wasn't it? I um, it was about, South, yeah. But we are still undefeated at Farhill under Chris Dolan. And um, I'm I'm hoping to I'm not counting a penalty loss as, as a draw, but uh, he, he yeah I think that you know we, we've got that I think the home form is probably going to be the bedrock for us this season in terms of getting points and stuff like that. And I look forward to using this as an intro next week when we get beat five 0 by Kings Park for Hill. But yeah, but no, the other thing I wanted to mention just wanted to give a plug to the program um, for the QP game on Saturday. I think we have three, possibly four, if James done anything, uh, people who have contributed to the programme. I've done um, an article about Quentin Jacobs' uh, saga against Ross County. You've done a quiz, haven't you, Matt? There is a, hopefully a quiz going on and hopefully only Connect fans and other Partick Thistle and Queen's Park-themed connecting wall. Good stuff. And I think, Heather, have you done something for the programme as well? Yes, I have. Um, uh, there's a instruction to her game to um, at for at for Hill and our partnership for that. Um, so there's going to be we're not going to be a a regular contributor. I think we're going to be kind of one on one on one off. And then also um, the Jags Foundation have got um, their regular slot as well. Which um, and we're 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 starting to do a few Q and A's and stuff, which um, which should be interesting. And it's Lindsay, I, who, Lindsay Kane, who will be on this one. So um, yeah, really excited about that. Uh, so yeah, so go buy our program. Um, we've we've a lot of people have put a lot of work into it. So and it's, it's going to be some great stuff. Just shout out Tom Hosey for the the excellent first edition of this season's programme that we put together. The first one I thought was excellent. Um, it had lots of really good features. I know members of the media team contributed to that as well and it was it was really well done so yep if you didn't pick one up against Wraith make sure you pick one up on on Saturday we will wrap up as we always do with Partridge Thistle now this week's question was submitted by friend of the show Ross Alexander who's asked do you enjoy any strange food combinations that others find disgusting I don't know if I want to start with you I'll leave you to last David I'll, I'll start with you because yeah, you've got an interesting relationship with food, so I, I don't know what answer you're going to give here. I I don't know what answer I'm going to give. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've pulled up with a hamstring injury here. Like I, I mean, I am very dull and plain, um, and don't. And you know what? Um, it, it's one of those where it's just like. I don't know. Everything I do with <laughs> it is a bit weird. So um, I'm not one to judge people on this sort of thing. Um, so no, I, I I don't have an answer for this. Um, I'm not going to lie. Rhys Haldane might not be here in person, but he's, he's here in spirit and he's coming through David Forrest at the moment. Jamie, can you bail us out with an answer to this one? Yeah, I feel I'm going to out myself a wee bit here. But um, it's, a, it's a drink with food, so I'm, I'm going to allow myself this answer it's um i know a lot of people think it's really weird if you like just milk on its own i like it enough that i can drink milk on its own i know some people think that's like the weirdest thing ever i'm with you on that bandwagon jamie i think we should normalize being allowed to order milk as a drink in a restaurant i'm absolutely with you on that bandwagon <laughs> Heather, is, you got is that not a thing for like like hot food so like really spicy food where you, you can that isn't that a thing 
I don't think so. I think it's like on the kids' menu, David. I'm not going to lie. That's why I've yeah. never no, seen it. No, they do that on like, on like hot ones and stuff like that, where they give them milk to kind of cool them down when they're eating all the stupid chilli no, peppers and stuff like that. You get a little bit of yogurt through it if that's the case, but I think, I think if I went in at the shish on Saturday and asked for a glass of milk, they would spit on me. <laughs> um, Heather, do you have an answer this week? Well, I'll stand by Jamie there. Like, I, I quite enjoy, I quite enjoy a cup of milk. I have to say, and I, I quite see it's quite good right now having nieces who are quite young. So if they have like a cup of milk with their tea, I might have one too, and I won't feel like like a weirdo because they love milk. So shout out to having a two and four year old in your family. Um, I don't know if this is weird or just like I don't, I don't know, but my family we love lean parents, you know, like the sauce and we'll have that like on macaroni cheese or I or like three things well there's like it's like the, the meal isn't complete unless you have a bit of lean parents on it and uh, and I stand by that and I'll put that same I'm having like a baked potato with cheese and stuff need to have some lean parents so that is my that's my hot take I don't know if that is weird or just an, like an um an unused condiment or one that lacks praise but um but I love it so yeah that's mine I'm just, first of all, very much looking forward to the next pod night out where we're all sitting there with our little glasses of milk uh, in our respective pub. I do not know enough about sauces. I'm I'm getting better, but I'm not a big sauce guy. I don't know if anyone wants to come in with feedback for Heather. That's great. Right, we'll move on. Sorry, Heather, you're going to have to just not know if that's weird or not. Um, I'm sure somebody will get in touch if it is weird. James, do you have an answer this week? Uh, I guess like the one thing that springs to mind is, but I, I would say you get this in most good chippies. So I don't know how weird it is, but some people are disgusted by it. But chips, cheese, and gravy, big fan of that. Like they get in that one and uh, stoning up the road. That's always a nice one. Um, so I, I'll go for that. Chips, cheese, and gravy. Yeah, that I think that's more acceptable than the, the two things I'm about to say here. So Ross asked this question because he said he likes tuna and banana combined, which I find absolutely repulsive, to be honest. That's unacceptable. That's totally unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go in too hard on Ross because he is, without doubt, our, our number one listener. He's always there with the, the first like on Twitter. He's, he's always telling me that he's taking his dog out to, to listen to the podcast. But yes, that was that was unacceptable. The other one, my wife Kirsty eats cheddar cheese with chocolate buttons, which again is not on. And I'm surprised I've lasted this long tolerating that, to be honest. Savoury and sweet just don't belong together. You know, it's like in Ghostbusters, you don't cross the streams. You know, it's madness. <laughs> you, you reminded me there, Matt. Um, we, uh, my wife has a cousin who is notorious for just doing really odd things, like really, really odd, stupid things. But they used to eat tomato ketchup with, like, all of their meals. Sometimes they'd have like a piece of tomato ketchup and stuff like that. Just like bread and just put tomato ketchup in it. Like, and like put uh, tomato ketchup and everything. And I don't mean like a wee dodge, like absolutely cover everything, steak, curry, everything. Like loved tomato ketchup and everything. Um and um yeah, it's you know, it's it's if you love if you like something, love it. But even then, like come on, a piece of tomato ketchup is um, quite, quite the thing. Listen, if David Forrest is criticising your food choices, you, you've got problems. I, I live and let live. <laughs> 
We will we will leave it there for this week. We've ran over an hour. Thank you if you've made it this far into the podcast. As David said, make sure you pick up a programme on Saturday. Lots of hard work is going into that. And in the meantime, stay safe. We had an episode out on Monday. Make sure you've listened to that before the Queen's Park game. Lots of listening for you. We'll be back next week to look back on the Queen's Park game and preview a trip to Morton.